Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. Back with you again, it is your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, coming to you from frosty, cold Boston, Massachusetts, here in the United States of America, or just outside Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I know you haven't heard from me in a while. Again, (laughs) I think the last time I did an episode, I said the same thing. Um, Yes, the output of episodes has been very slow recently. I do apologize for that. My uh, day-to-day work is really taking over. And uh, with the busy holiday season now basically already in full swing, um, you know, the the shipping industry is absolutely crazy. And um, I've been working late and early, so I've been starting early, ending late, and it's just been impossible to get on this microphone and talk to you about everything going on at Befica. The ups, the downs, the twists, and the turns. This team is taking us for quite a ride in the last in the last uh, three weeks or so. And, uh, well, I'm going to try to recap it all here for you tonight in about an hour or so. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time, but I do want to recap. So the way the format for this episode is going to run is I'm going to talk first about the most recent league game against Braga right before the international break. Okay, we'll talk about that, and then I'll backtrack from there to the Estoril match. Um, make some quick points about it. Not going to not gonna spend too much time on it. We all know what happened. Um, there's Again, there's 
a ton of other podcasts that have already covered that match, both in English and in Portuguese and in French as well. Uh, whichever language you prefer, it's out there. You can go back and get get recaps. I'll give you my two cents and uh, my observations um, in a very uh, brief and a very abbreviated form for that match, but we'll go through that then. Um, once we talk these two league matches, we'll focus on the two matches against Bayern Munich. I'll give my thoughts on that as well on two very different matches with basically the same outcome. But um, two matches that told two different stories. And um, yeah, I'll give you what I think about that and I'll, I'll share some of my thoughts on my observations, like I said. My thoughts on JJ also in his selections and... Um, just uh, just re- rehash that, and then the final segment, we'll look at the Tassa match from some time ago. From uh, oh, we're going back probably almost a month now, uh, when we we beat Trofens in extra time, and I really think that that match was the beginning of a difficult spell for us, and it starts with that match going an extra thirty minutes. I'll talk about that when we get there, um, but. I'll break that down. I'll recap the rest of round three of the Taça de Portugal and get you ready for Friday's Taça de Portugal round four matchup. Benfica hosting Passos de Ferreira. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it'll definitely be Friday. So later this Friday, if <laughs> if you're listening to this before the match, um, my hope is that you'll get this in before the match. Uh, but they will be kicking off. It's going to be, I think it's an... 8.45 kickoff in Lisbon. Um, maybe it's a 9.15. It's one of those two time slots there. But it will be televised on TVE uh, in Portugal and um, on my computer as well, thanks to my <laughs> my VPN. <laughs> so I will be able to access TVE. Uh, the problem is when Befica plays on TVE, the bandwidth becomes an issue. And, well... It buffers for most of the match, and I end up losing my patience. So I hope that doesn't happen again this time. But uh, Benfica's got to gotta get gotta get things going right now. Uh, this is it. I mean, this is the last international break for the calendar year. We don't have another stoppage for national teams until March. This is where Benfica's got to do work now. This is the meat and potatoes of the season. This is the belly of the season right now. Okay? Um and we got to start getting the W's again. Got to start picking up the points, advancing in in the competitions, whether it be the Taça de Portugal, the Taça da Liga, the Champions League. Huge matches coming up now. So um, this is where it's all going to start Friday against Pastor Ferreira. They have to go in like they want to win this match. One thing frustrating, and it's not just Benfica; it's all the big dogs. When they go into these Taça matches, they go in so entitled. And they go in with this idea that they are, you know, they have a birthright to win these matches against players from lower divisions. And this isn't the case for Benfica today because it's not a lower division team that they're facing. They're facing another first division side in Pastors of Gheda, but it doesn't matter. They're playing against players who this is the game of their lives. Even for another first division team, a chance to knock Benfica out of the cup. Knowing that our manager loves to rotate players for cup matches and knowing that he's going to be forced to rotate you know some others probably due to travel reasons coming back from international duty and if anybody picked up knocks if there's any fitness issues um you know if you haven't heard by now we now know lucas verissimo is out for the rest of the season this is going to be a harsh 
harsh blow to Benfica's back line. I do believe Benfica got to stick with the back three. I'm hearing calls from all over the place saying to go back to a 4-4-2. No, this team, this back line cannot play in a 4-4-2. Every time they do, the channels are wide open between them. They might as well stick four posts out there and and just let those four be the defenders. We don't have the pace. We can't keep up with the with these you know with these capable strikers when we face a a mildly capable striker or a good winger that can get into those gaps uh our our especially down our left side it is a freeway so please George Zuz JJ if you're listening even though your english is terrible i know cuz i've seen the sport tv documentary where you're trying to learn it um even uh even if you're listening okay please do not go to a 4-4-2 it is not 1997 anymore football is played differently football is more nuanced and basically a 4-4-2 is going to put this team right back to where we were when we were complaining okay a 4-4-2 is going to take Uli and Weigel and it's going to like a vacuum suck him back between the two center backs and there goes our connection in midfield there goes what we have improved from last season to this season greatly is our midfield play okay um at least in the center of the park with with, with Weigel and with Joao Mario and uh also Paul Bernardo we'll talk about him he, he debuted last week uh, he won't be in action tomorrow, I don't believe, because he tested positive for COVID while on duty with the U21. So we're going to be without him, and it just it, like this is an injury list that just continues to to grow. Um, so it, <laughs> what are we going to go to the U19s next? I mean, uh, we're really really struggling for for bodies right now. So JJ, please do not go back to a four four two. Okay. Keep the three-man back line. Protect Odie. Okay? He is not good at coming out. Thus, we need to play with a deeper-lying defense. We need the three to protect those dangerous gaps and to allow our midfield to play further up the pitch and also to allow our two wingbacks, whoever they may be, to actually play as wingbacks. Um, because, again, in a 4-4-2, there, there just isn't the... Same, you know, there isn't the same freedom or autonomy to to go forward as often as they do. And whether it's Gilberto, whether it's Radonjic, whether it's uh, Grimaldo, they're all better going forward than they are defending. So that's just what I'm thinking. And um, we'll, we'll see what he does, but I hope he doesn't change too much. I hope he makes... He, was, he makes the necessary changes because some are necessary. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, for tonight, we're going to talk about the past uh, three weeks or so of matches. So that's uh, that's what we're going to go to. And I'm going to take a quick break here for Reconquista. And on the other side, we're going to start to talk about Benfica versus Braga. Round 11 of the Liga B-Win Portugal. 2021-2022. This is Mr. Benfica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustin. You follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. 
or follow my personal accounts on both on both uh, both platforms on Instagram. It's at m augustino twenty. That's at m a g o s t i n h o two zero. And on Twitter, my personal account is at mike augustino at m i k e a g o s t i n h o. We'll be right back. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida. Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito, quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito. Se queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo. Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo. Sabes que estamos contigo. Nós somos o eterno abrigo. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós. Até que não se explica. Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to Mr. Benfica. This is episode 130, and we're talking about like the last three weeks worth of matches. We're starting in the Liga Nage. We're starting with Benfica versus Sporting Braga. One of the big matches, one of our really... Uh, one of our anticlimactic matches. One of the matches we have had the most trouble with in recent seasons. Not the case, of course, last Sunday. Or I shouldn't say last Sunday. Uh, two Sunday. This was played back on November the 7th. So back on November the 7th. I do want to say, though, um, everyone out there still down if you're a Portugal fan. Uh, this was a horrible international break for us. Um but yesterday there was relief on Wednesday, November the 17th, um, actually birthday for my late grandmother, um, my avó, no longer with us, but it was her birthday. I do remember that every year on November the 17th. But yesterday, November the 17th, was a great day for Benfica, okay? Um, yes, everyone was focused on whether or not the FPF will sack Fernando Santos, which if you want to hear my views on that, tune in later this weekend. I will have uh, an episode of Parking the Bus uh, dropping this weekend where I'm going to review World Cup qualifying from various parts of the world. And I'm sure that I will lose my temper and I will uh, 
give my opinion, obviously, on that situation. But no, the reason I bring this up is because yesterday, November the 17th, was a phenomenal day for Sport Lisboa Benfica for our club. It should have picked everybody up. It was three massive, massive results. Uh, starting with our women's football team, my girls, <laughs> the Benfica ladies, my favorite. You know, my favorite. They're not a modalidad, but they're they're just, you know, they are just right now one of the shining elements of this club is the women's football team and the women's football department. And history made again in such a short time. So much history has been made by those by those ladies. Congratulations, Chloe. Congratulations, Katrina Madu. Congratulations, Kika. Congratulations to the entire team. First three points in UEFA Women's Champions League play in club history. This is the first year of the group stage. So in the very first year of the group stage, Benfica qualified for the group stage. That in itself is a massive achievement. And now they've gone on the road to Sweden and won 2-1 to one late. Final minute goal from Katarina Amadou. It was just a brilliant way to win because Chloe put us ahead in the second minute, and then a penalty kick once again for Hocken. That's uh, there'll be a women's episode dropping very soon, and I'll recap the last several matches they've had as well. Um, but Hocken. In the reverse fixture on match day three, won one nil on a BS penalty kick called against Anasaisa. This time it was a good the the call was correct, and it looked like again Benfica were going to lose the points thanks to a penalty kick. But in the dying minutes, the ball is delivered in on a set piece, and Katrina Madu finds it, and she finds the back of the net. Three points to Benfica. Uh, of course. It rejuvenated the hopes, you know, long shot hopes, but hopes nonetheless for Benfica going into their final two matches in the Champions League. Now, no uh, secret, those are against Bayern Munich and Leon, two of the best, I've said, two of the best five women's football teams on planet Earth. And, um, well, it got tougher a few hours later. Of course, I did watch Bayern versus, versus Leon, and it was a scrappy match. Uh, Leon with with their perfect record in the Champions League on the line. Unfortunately, they go to Bayern and they lose, which really pretty much ends Benfica's dream of getting to the quarterfinals. But they do have two matches left. So um, more on that in the episode that covers the women's team. But that was a phenomenal start to my Wednesday yesterday. I was working. I had it on in the background. I had the earbuds in listening. And it was, uh, again, on YouTube courtesy of zone, phenomenal phenomenal coverage phenomenal quality never any buffering with 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 uh, those matches and uh big for Benfica but it didn't end there I turn on BTV and we have a derby in volleyball men's volleyball a dominating team okay they have been dominant in Portugal they just a week ago qualified for the group stage of their Champions League after having to go through three preliminary rounds it was Befica versus Sporting. I tuned in once the women's match had ended. And uh, Sporting had actually won the first set, which which had me shocked. Um, but then Befica come back winning three straight sets to win the match. Three sets to one. And remind Sporting who runs volleyball in Portugal and in Lisboa. 
Benfica runs volleyball. Professor uh, Professor uh, Marcel Match, the manager, the coach. Shout out, Mister! You are just the best example of what we want in a leader at our club from a coaching perspective. Marcel Matz, the men's volleyball coach, out of this world. Congratulations. But it didn't end there. You all know how much I love my Befica basketball, right? I mean, I, I, I'm I, the only person I know who has a Befica basketball jersey. Befica versus Opava. Okay, Czech, uh, Czech side. Final game in the first group stage of the FIBA Europe Cup. Benfica come into the match 4-1 and one in Europe Cup. They had already won the group. Nothing to play for but pride. Benfica still come away with the win. They they do it down the stretch. They win 85-83 and win the group, like we said, finishing 5-1 and one out of these six matches. Next round is another group stage, and it's going to be fun because we are in the same group. As Sporting. Oh, I can't wait. First of all, for Portuguese basketball, it's huge that two teams in the group are both from Portugal, which means a very good possibility. One of them are going to go to the quarterfinals, and that's huge for Portuguese basketball. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. But shout out to to the, the Hoop Stars. They are off to a flying start this season. Only two defeats in all competitions. One in the league to Porto, which... Is a well-documented highway robbery, and then one in Europe to uh, to the Den Bost Heroes, uh, who then Befica avenged that loss on the road in the Netherlands and beat the Heroes. Heroes get eliminated yesterday as they lose to Russian side Parma, and Parma joined Befica in the second group stage. All right, so let's get to it here. Of course, if you want to watch the women's Champions League match from yesterday. Uh, by the time this this episode drops, all you got to do is go over to www.mrbefica.com. I will have the video right there on the main page. Just scroll down till you see it. I have all of their women's Champions League matches there, uh, videos posted so that you can watch it right on www.mrbefica.com. That's www.mrbefica.com. Okay. Let's start by going through the fixtures for this round 11 of the Portuguese league here, the Liga Portugal. And it got started on Friday, November the 5th, with Gil Vicente drawing 1-1 at home to Aroca later that uh, Friday night at the Estadio do Bessa in the Cidade Evicta. Boa Vista hostess Famalicão. Famalico. Uh Faman struggled early on. We know they're one of the good teams in this league. They're one of the, at the very least, they're a team for the top half of the table in terms of quality. They're starting to find their form. Uh, Famalico go into Bessa and win 5-2 over Povista. Saturday, November 6th, Vizela 1, Istoril 1, Portimonense 2, Bissad 0, Vitoria Guimarães 2, their mean new rivals, Moreirense, won. And then on Sunday, Tondela pick up a big win at home as it's 4-2 to the green and gold striped side, who is also rumored, and it seems like it's almost a done deal, to be in the middle of a takeover. Yeah, that's right, Tondela. 
about to be bought by Brazilian super club Flamengo. That's right. You heard that right. Flamengo want to close this sale by the end of 2021. That is um, that is absurd to think of. But yes, Flamengo looking to get into the Portuguese market. They're looking to buy Tondela. And why Tondela? Because they are the only team essentially that has one principal owner that they can buy the club from. So they are pressuring very, very uh, aggressively to purchase Tondela. Very interesting. We'll see what happens there. Also on Sunday, November the 7th in Uzasurj in Punta Delgada. It is Santa Clara versus Football Club de Porto. Unfortunately, the the blue and white prison stripes win 3-0 on the islands. And Passos Ferreira, our opponents on Friday, hosted uh, Sporting in this round on that Sunday. And it would be Passos nil Sporting 2. And finally, the match we're about to talk about now, Benfica versus Sporting Braga. Let's go to the lineups for this one. Without further ado... We will start with Carlos Carvalhal's Guerreiros Domínio, uh, Sporting Braga, Mateus in goal. They're playing a 3-4-3. The three in the back uh, on loan from Porto. It's Diogo Leite and Paulo Oliveira and Nuno Squeira as the three on the back. The wingbacks, Fabiano Silva on the right, uh, Galeno on the left, and then André Castro and Almusarati as the double pivot in midfield behind the three attackers. Striker Abel Ruiz, the right-sided forward Ricardo Horta, and the left-sided uh, Lucas Piazon. Okay, Benfica playing in their normal 3-4-3 as well. Odie's in goal for JJ, as is the case this season. It hasn't even been uh, a disputed uh, position this season. It has belonged to him. The three in the back, Lucas Verissimo on the right, Nicolas Otamendi central, and Jan Bertongen. On the left, Gilberto and Grimaldo, the wingbacks on this one. Of course, Weigel and João Mario, the double pair, the pair in, mid, in the center of midfield behind the, the three strikers. Well, the three forwards, I should say. Rafa down the right, Darwin in the center, and, yes, you're hearing this correctly, the man, the myth, the legend, Everton Suarez, better known as Everton Cebolinha. He returns to the lineup in the league here, and... Um, Happy to say he shuts up some people because uh, it's about time. It's just about time that Everton is able to to have a, a performance like this. And this fan base is is an interesting. It's an interesting study um, from a, a sociological standpoint. Um, we really we go with the wind, like they say. We 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 change with the winds. Um, we're up on a player, we quickly are down on players, we quickly turn around and get up. Other players seem to win our affection and never lose it. It's never in question. Others, we just can't seem to to want to let into our family. Others have a hard time breaking breaking through the walls and getting us uh, behind them. But uh, Everton has heard the criticism. He's been getting it from everybody. Getting it from everywhere. I read it every single match day, every time he's in the lineup. I I see it. I see y'all saying, you know, flop this, flop that. And it's just great to see him have a good performance here. Before 
I go any further, I do want to say hello and uh, thank you to everybody who's been reaching out to me during this hiatus. Again, this second hiatus, if you will, in the last couple of months. It's been a crazy couple of months for me. Um, again, um, some things going on also that I will disclose in time. Right now, can't really do that, but I will I will be honest and disclose some things with you um, in the coming days and weeks. But... Um, Thank you to everyone who reached out to to make sure everything was all right. I got a lot of messages from you guys, and that really means the world to me that uh, people on the other side of the world in many times, okay, people I've never met in real life, people I've never spoken to in real life are sending me messages of uh, just saying, hey, hope everything's good, missing the show, hope hope you're well. And, um, yes, I'm well. I'm busy, but I'm well. Thank you, guys. Um I'm back, though, and hopefully there won't be any more large hiatuses uh, going forward. Probably, let's see, Gonna get. I got a couple shows in my head that I have to get out in the next couple of days. Okay, so I want to get one out on the women's team. I want to get one out on the Modalidad, and I want to get one on tomorrow's match, if possible, before we head into Barcelona next week. So, um, busy schedule, no doubt, but I am going to do my best to keep up with it. And um, hopefully at least get you an episode a week for the rest of 2021. And then um, after that, I, I should my schedule should open up a little bit enough to start to put together more regular content once again. But again, thank you everybody for your support. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for your shout outs. And uh, just thank you for being my listeners, my friends, my community here. Benfica Nation, you are the best. All right, let's get to the, the ticker here. And see where this match went. It started off. Uh, this was an interesting match because I think that it started very well for Benfica, obviously, and uh, it took only a minute as the ball gets played out wide. Uh, Grimaldo with the cross. He he puts it. A, sorry, not Grimaldo. Darwin gets it. He plays the cross in far post. Oncoming is Grimaldo down the. He comes in down the left. Running towards goal, gets a header, and he beats Mateusz in the first minute. Benfica take the lead, and I was psyched because it's been a rough, rough run of things for Benfica. Remember, this is just a few days after the debacle in Munich. I guess some could say it was a, bo- a debacle. Others may may not agree. Uh, I guess there's still some debate that can be made about what that match was in Munich. But from that moment. Uh, Braga took a little bit of control after that, and Braga came to play in this match. You can say what you want about them. Um, I know what our rivals say about them, and and they ignore the fact that these guys have beaten us, I think, four times in a row coming into this match, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in all competitions, we've lost four times to Braga. But uh, according to our rivals, they lay down for us, and they let us win every time. And certainly this result uh, will have them saying that again because they don't understand any context. And to be honest, people that comment on the game of football in Portugal from a fan perspective, the ones that get on TV, the ones that get on the podcasts, there's a lot of them that just don't know what they're talking about. And um, this Braga team is very good. This Braga team... Had they come in with a different mentality and had they come in and decided to sit in deep the way our other opponents do and make two deep low-lying blocks of four, 
we would have had all kinds of trouble. But Braga decided they were coming to the Luz to play. They were gonna they were gonna take us on, you know, punch for punch, blow for blow, and it worked out in our favor, obviously, because that's exactly where we're strongest. That is in that type of match where space opens up for us to counter. We rely so heavily, so heavily on the ability to counterattack. So getting ahead early, you'd think would open them up and leave them uh, suspect. But early on, they they, they tightened it right up. Uh, Ricardo Horta has an opportunity in the eighth minute. Right for the shot from outside the box. It is blocked, but it would only be another couple of minutes, 11th minute now. And a close one because it goes to the VAR, but it is onside. Andre Castro plays the ball into space onto the run of Ricardo Horta and the former Benfica youth prospect, the well-known uh, diehard Benfica supporter. Maybe not as diehard as, as his brother Andrea, uh, at least not as outwardly, but um, it is Ricardo Horta with his right-footed shot from the right side of the box, bottom left corner, no chance for Odi, one-to-one just like that, and it's like a deflation in the Stadio Illusion in front of the 40,000 in attendance. Yeah, just 40,000. I mean, on a, on a Sunday. I know it was a late kickoff on a Sunday, but only 40,000 for Befica Braga. Come on, Befiquistas, where are you? Where is Befica Nation? Why are these attendances so low? You're telling me that there are not more than 40,000 people willing to go to the Stadio Deluge? On a Sunday night, there should be fifty thousand people just in the in close proximity to to Lisbon to fill this stadium on a Sunday night. But it is what it is, and we're not the only team struggling with attendances in the Liga, be win Portugal. But Benfica, after that, kind of put on the back foot. Braga, the better team here, for a stretch in the first half. And then in the 22nd minute, it gets a little worse as João Mario is injured and has to be substituted. On the flip side, the positive is we get the debut of a guy we've all been waiting for. A lot of us have touted this guy as someone who needed an opportunity. I have said that this guy has constantly been blocked by... The fact that Adel Terapt is on this roster. Adel Terapt brings nothing to this team. I'm sorry. I'm going to continue to say it until he proves me wrong. And um, Paulo Bernardo in the 60 minutes or 68 minutes he played in this match. Already did more than what Adel Terapt has done in a year and a half. If not in his entire Benfica existence. Uh, just played real simple, kept the ball moving, was always in the right place. Something Adel Terapt does not do when he is in place of, of João Mario. He's never in the right place. That's the difference between these two. Sure, he can he can, he can, can do his tunage. He can put the ball between your legs. He can break your ankles with, with, with his stepovers. But then he'll kick it to the other team as soon as that happens. Paulo Bernardo on the other end. Takes very good care of the ball. And it was a seamless transition, fortunately, uh, for him. Again, like I said earlier in the episode, he unfortunately would test positive for COVID-19 while in the U21 national team. 
this past week. So I don't think he's an option for a little while here. I'm uh, not sure what the quarantining protocol is these days in Portugal. Um, not going to get into it. <laughs> um, but uh, so he comes on here in the 22nd. And Mefica starts to settle down. Al Muzarati goes in the book in the 26th. Uh, we get an offside in the 27th. And Rafa tries to play in Lucas Verissimo. The, the center back makes a run upfield. But he is caught offside. 28th minute, and it's a save here for Odie. A big save as Galenu gets a right-footed shot from a difficult angle on the left, but saved in the center of the goal. He was set up by Nunskeda. Um In the 33rd, we have another injury, and this is the bad one, okay? In the 33rd, it is Lucas Verissimo. When I saw it live, it looked bad, but okay. What he did on this play, I've had the same exact thing happen to me. However, the big difference was when you watch it, slow motion, his studs got caught in the in the ground. Okay, He came down very awkwardly on one leg, and all the weight of his body came down on that leg. It was clearly a hyperextended knee the, originally. And that's, I did that to myself years ago while I was still playing. And let me tell you, it is it is painful. And it your knee locks like his did. Fortunately for myself, it was nowhere near as bad as his because, well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not as quick as he is. I don't have the same. I did, you know, and I'm talking about my 25-year-old self. This is probably about 13 years ago, but... Um, I cut hard on one leg and it gave out and I hyperextended the IT band in my left knee. And to this day, I still get some soreness in it. But he he did, I believe it was to his right. But his actually, his hyperextension was much worse than mine. Um, and I believe it's because his foot got caught in the in the ground. Whereas I was playing on an artificial surface with flat shoes, I wasn't wearing any studs because I was playing a <laughs> I was playing a, a, a six aside indoor match on on a artificial surface, and I wasn't wearing. Fortunately for myself, I wasn't wearing studs. I was just wearing regular flat futsal shoes, essentially. So even though I stepped bad, my foot slid when the weight came down on it. And it did not stick, so my knee never bent as far in the wrong direction as his did. It was just gross to look at when they slowed it down, and I knew it was bad at that moment. And we now know it's a multi-ligament tear requiring surgery, and that is it for 21-22 for Lucas Verissimo. This is going to hurt our back line. Like I said, I will. Ho- I am hoping that Rui Costa and... Huibraj and George Zouj and whoever else is involved in these decisions is looking for a center back this January to come in on loan to get us through this season. We need a backup unless it's going to be Fehu, but all indications tell me that he is not in the plans for, for Jota Jota and it just does not look like the manager believes in him. So if that's the case... A 
right-footed central defender is sorely needed on this team. Remember, Moratu and Vertonghen are both left-footed. We're left with just Nicolas Otamendi as a right-footed center back right now. I would have to include Andre Almeida as a center back now. Absolutely. I've said it. The place where he can help this team is as a backup, as a right central defender, basically to be Lucas's backup. Now Lucas is gone. We'll see what JJ does, but uh, very concerned now uh, without him. Not just for his defensive ability, and he's had matches where he's been a monster. He's also made mistakes before as well. Uh, so, and he's 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 had to hear his share of criticism as well. But you know, he's clearly a very talented defender, and he's probably the best vertical passer. In Befica's lineup, I mean, he 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 has daggering forward passes right into channels, right onto he can he can knock it 40, 50, 60 yards and hit hit his teammate on the foot with it, or he can play it perfectly weighted into space for Rafa to run onto. Uh, we're gonna miss that for sure. Befica though adjusts. Moratu comes in and he plays he plays on the left side of the defense. Vertonghen slides central and Otamendi slides right. Otamendi now holding that role of the right central defender, which also has the role, which also has the responsibility of finding that vertical pass and finding the transition players. In this Befica side, that your transition players are Rafa, Darwin, and and uh, Everton specifically. When you're talking about a vertical pass, you're usually not going to find. Grimaldo on a vertical pass. He's a good player in transition, but he's an he's going to get that outlet pass, you know, square ball wide, and then he's going to penetrate um, and look for the next diagonal ball into the Everton's and the Darwins and the Rafas. Uh, so if he could slowly start to pick it up again, Darwin has an opportunity in the thirty fifth. Now remember, we've already made two substitutions due to injuries. Darwin uh, from the left side of the box has his shot blocked. Benfica starting to knock on the door. Okay, in the 36th, it's another attempt. It's Grimaldo again. A left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Saved by Mateusz in the bottom right corner. But, but, Darwin gets on the end of this. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. And he beats Mateusz. 2-1. to one, Very, very important goal. Benfica. Uh, again, in a slump coming into this match, in, in somewhat of a drought. Uh, they've gotten into somewhat of a habit also of scoring early and, and not scoring again. Same thing happened in Ish, uh, in Ishtoril. We'll talk about that game in just a minute. But Darwin here makes it 2-1, to one and Befica settles down. And most importantly, this 2-1, to one, 10 minutes before halftime, completely took the air out of the sails of Sporting Braga. They were not the same team. Again, after surrendering that goal, uh, they were questioning their themselves, questioning their value going forward, questioning whether or not to risk after this. And now Benfica would take would go on the front foot. They'd have an opportunity, though. Sporting Braga would in the 39th. Diogo Late gets a header from the center of the box, but it's saved in the top left corner by Odi as he puts it out for a he puts it up and over for a corner. Good save from the Greek international goalkeeper. Castro gets an attempt off of that corner kick uh, from the center of the box, but blocked. And then 41st minute, before Braga can even regroup, 
Benfica strike again, and Rafa gets a right-footed shot from a difficult angle. And he's on the left to the center of the goal, and he beats Mateusz set up by a fantastic pass from Everton Subolinha on a fast break in transition. This is where Benfica does damage. This is where I have some confidence in our side to go into the Camp Nou on Wednesday. I believe that's when they play. Maybe it's it's Tuesday um, next week, and to get the result that we need, and to really give ourselves a chance to go to the round of sixteen. Listen, we beat Barcelona. We're in. It's it's almost that simple. Barcelona are a good team. I know they've struggled. I don't believe that Xavi coming in is going to make a world of difference. I think he's already getting started on the wrong foot. We'll see what Barcelona does this weekend. I will be watching them closer than usual and see. But um, Benfica in transition, so, so dangerous. We do much better in transition than when uh, than when we're forced to build up play and forced to circulate the ball and to find the spaces, find the feet in dangerous areas, and then deliver the penultimate and the final pass and then get the finish. Okay, We struggle when we have to build that all ourselves. It's it's a shock to me that every team we play does not just sit back and do it. Braga doesn't play that way. Carlos Carvajal said he could have done that, but that's not who they are. That's not how they play, and he wanted to continue playing the way they've been playing. It, it's also worth noting Befica had two extra days of rest uh, going into this match in comparison to Braga, who had their Europa League match on the Thursday of that week. So they were a little bit less fresh coming into this one. But Rafa, right before halftime, makes it 3-1. to one. And I say that, but before halftime, we get another one. And it's at the 45th plus 2. And it is Rafa once again. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. Bottom right corner. Assisted again by Everton. Everton having himself a real nice match in this one. He's not playing so much with his back to goal here. This one, he's getting the ball in areas where he can face up, where he can look forward, and he can pick out these passes. Him and, and Rafa and Darwin, the three of them combining really well in this match. And uh, a good call from JJ to go with with this lineup. And to have Everton to have Everton in this one, in you know he was in the place of, uh, in place of Yardimchuk. I guess JJ realized that against this Braga team, it, it was pace, penetration, and vertical play that we needed more so than the the work rate or the hold up play that Yardimchuk brings to the table. And sometimes different matches call for different characteristics, and it's not. Too many people that, that talk football go down this avenue of every time there's a change made, a tactical change in the 11, that it's a slap in the face to the starter that was no. That's not the case. Different matches call for different skill sets. A good team has a diversified, just like a good investor, a diversified portfolio. Okay, You have your strikers. You have your strength players. You have your speed players. You have your finesse players. You have your passers of the ball. You have your destroyers. You have your players that have height. You have your players that read the game well. You have your talkers. There is something that everyone can contribute. And every match 
calls for something slightly different in my opinion. And the best managers are the ones that know how to tweak it just a little. They don't if you notice and we'll talk about Bayern in the next segment, but when Bayern make changes, they don't change their identity. In this run of matches for Benfica, when George Azuz makes changes, this this thing comes undone. So Benfica need to improve on that on that in this next three, four month window here without international breaks. Benfica really need to discover that identity and they need to rediscover in that second line of players, those second choice players. JJ needs to find a way to fit them in more seamlessly. Okay. And and that part of the problem, in my opinion, is that he subs on too many he he's making too many multiple substitutions at once. I understand that you only get three stoppages. But every time, he almost every time, I shouldn't say every time, there's no absolutes here. Um, nothing is 100%. But more times than not, when he brings on three players, there's such a confusion in the team. It's too many changes at once. Okay, It's too many changes at once. He brings them in, and the team kind of falls apart every time he does that. So the best part about this match was we got out there. We got four in the first half. Shells shocked Braga. I don't think Braga was expecting that. And then they have an injury of their own. Francisco Mora comes on for Nuno Siqueira, who goes off injured in the 45th plus five. And that takes us... To halftime, eventually, we would still get to 45 plus 7 before the referee would blow for halftime. In the second half, uh, Braga brings on Vitor Oliveira for Abel Cruz and brings on Jan Cotu for Fabiano Silva. And again, Mefica come out come out firing. Uh, Gilberto goes in the book in the 48th for a bad foul, but it's, it's Mefica in control now, and it is Braga... Not so, you know, kind of deflated, kind of tired. You know, I think the 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 mileage, the travel, the exhaustion, the wear of having played on a Thursday and then playing again on a on a Sunday, it feels that much heavier when you're down four to one, obviously. And in the fifty first minute, it'd be five to one because again, Everton comes out and Everton scores with his right foot from the left side of the box. A beautiful goal into the far post. Set up by Rafa in the first half. Everton sets up Rafa with two. Here, Rafa does the orchestrating. Rafa does all the setup work, and it is Everton who puts it home. And again, um, couldn't be any. I could not be any happier for Everton Cibolina. I mean, I just love when players can can do this when they can take the criticism professionally. Okay, and they can harness it, and they can work at it, and get better. And then when they can break out, it's just special. Everton would do it again. He would double his tally in the fifty-eighth, making it six to one for Mefica. And this time it was Darwin setting him up with the cross, and Mefica sees the result out. There's not too much more to talk about in this one. Uh, we get PZ on in the 64th for Everton. We get Diogo Salves on in the 64th for Gilberto. We we get an opportunity for Paulo Bernardo in the 68th. He's set up by Grimaldo, but the shot is just blocked. Um, 
Gonzalo Ramos comes in later, brings some work to the table. He had another good outing in the Portugal U21s. Again, I do, I do want everyone to stay patient with the young players. Okay, they they're gonna go, they're gonna have ups and downs, but you have to watch the entire body of work with these young players. The important thing for a player. When you're young and you're fighting for minutes, when you're Paul Bernardo, when you're Gonzalo Ramos, when you know you're in the first team and you're on the fringe, what you have to do is make the most of your time, obviously. But when things aren't going well, you got to do something else well. And in the case of a forward like Gonzalo Ramos, if you're not getting goals, if you're not getting service, because so much of a striker's uh, Performance is based on the service he gets. When you're not getting service and you're Gonzalo Ramos, Gonzalo Ramos is in there because he brings a work rate, because he can drop. He can drop deeper, okay? And he can receive the ball and he can turn and he can look, you know, and he can start to play as a number 10 when he needs to. He did this so many times in the UEFA Youth League uh, for Befica two years ago when he was a U19. He just, when he's not getting the service, he has the ability to, to drop, get into the game, get himself on the ball, and provide the service to others and start to get that wheel rolling, start to get that machine moving and get that ball circulating. Um, I still see a lot of good things in this kid. I know he hasn't found the score sheet, and that's what he's there to do, but he still does certain things that others don't. Very good with lateral movement, okay? Whereas the Darwins and the Rafas bring the ver and the, the Evertons bring the vertical movement, Gonzalo Ramos is very very good on the horizontal movement. Okay, and finding spaces. He also is very good at pressing the ball, being the first line of defense. Just keep doing things that give the manager a reason to keep going to you. Do do thing do something really well. Every match. You can't play well every match, but you can do something well every match. All right, final stats here. But if you go win six to one, like we said, they dominate possession sixty one point eight percent to thirty two thirty eight point two percent, excuse me. Twelve total shots to eight in favor of Befica. Uh six big chances to Befica to Braga's one. Five hundred and eighty accurate passes at an eighty nine percent success rate as opposed to three hundred Accurate passes for Braga with a 77% uh, success rate. But if you go win the fouls battle, I always point to that, um, that it's sometimes better to have more fouls than your opponent. But if you got 13 fouls to Braga's 12. And um, again, we look at uh, Braga blocked four shots. But if you could block two, um, all kinds of uh, of accurate passes, but uh, duels won. This is a big one. Befica won this battle. I I put a lot of value in this particular statistic. This tells me that you're working pretty hard. And um, again, Befica just—it's just one of those days where everything comes together. We have games where nothing comes together. Let's look at the table real quickly before we go back to the Estoril match. All right, so Porto lead the Liga Portugal now. Uh, with 29 points, Sporting second also on 29 points, but with an inferior head-to-head and goal difference. Uh, Benfica have dropped to third. That's because of the Estoril match. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Benfica have 28 points, 9 victories, a draw, and a defeat. 27 goals for 7 against. 
Istoril, one of the surprises of the season so far. They're fourth, believe it or not. Yes, Istoril are fourth place right now with 20 points. And in fifth, it's Braga with 19. Sixth, Portimones on 17. Vitória Guimarães, seventh on 16. Gil Vicente, eighth with 13. Tondela, ninth with 12. Boa Vista are tenth with 11 points. Also on 11 points is 11th place, Passos de Ferreira. Then you have three teams on 10 points. Roca, Famalicão, and Vizela, respectively. Famalicão now putting some distance between themselves and the relegation zone. 15th place, Moreirense right now surviving on goal difference with 8 points. They're 15th in the relegation playoff spot for 16th places. Bisad or Bilanesad, Code City Blues, whatever you want to call them. Just don't call them Bilanesh. <laughs> They're 16th with 8 points as well. Maritimu right now sitting in the drop zone. It's the island teams in the drop zone. Maritimu in 17th with 7 points. And Santa Clara in 18th with 6. I hope both of those teams find their way out of the relegation zone. Let me just go on the record and say that. Okay. Let's back up one match here. And let's go to Benfica on the road at Istoril. Interesting tidbit, this match takes place uh, almost two and a half hours exactly before my sister's wedding. Uh, This was back on the 30th of October, Saturday the 30th of October. I watched this this at the hotel that the wedding was at uh, up in in, uh, the suite my family was was, uh, using. And I had it on my phone and I'm watching this. But if he could take a lead early, and my and I tell my father this, and all he kept saying was, "Don't worry, there's time for them to lose it." <laughs> and uh, my father is that negative Benfica stuff most of the time, and he's just waiting for it to fall apart. It does fall apart in this one, um, so much so that when the wedding ceremony began, and I am at the front there, uh, you know, my um, I was in the wedding court if you will I was my sister's man of honor so I was next to her and I look back as my father's about to walk her down the aisle and I see I see my Sportingista family all laughing all pointing my great uncle even does a one one with his fingers and then belly laughs I knew exactly what they were talking about of course (laughs) But uh, yeah, this this was not fun. Um, certainly, you know we were we were leading the league, but the pressure was on. And on in the ninetieth minute, it, it, we went from first to third. Here's the lineup for this one: Odie in goal, and same back three: uh, Lucas, Nicholas Otamendi, and Jan Vertonghen. Nemanja Radonjic gets the start on this one as the right wing back. And I, I like him there. He didn't have the best of matches. But again, not to go back to this wound. But in Portugal, Serbia, he came on in the second half. And I think that's a player that can make our team better. I'm telling you, that guy has, he's got a good skill set. He He seems to have some good vision, some good understanding. And... He can play both in midfield and he can play as a wing back. So in this match, JJ puts him as the right wing back. João Mario and Weigel, the center mid pairing. 
Grimaldo on the left. And then up front, you got Rafa. Darwin as the two flanks with Roman Yarimchuk in the number nine position, the hold up, uh, the hold up striker, uh, post up style striker. So again, not a good performance from Befica. I'm not going to sit here and say it was not a bad performance, of course, but again, an inefficiency in front of goal. Befica with 13 chances created and only one goal here. That's not acceptable. When you want to be the champion. Now I know this is the fourth place team, but and I know it's on the road, but you gotta get the three points in this match, especially with your rivals hot on your heels. Benfica already knew at this point at kickoff that well, they wouldn't have known until the next day, but they know that their rivals were gonna were gonna leapfrog them if they dropped points. That's exactly what happened. It wasn't even the worst match played, like like uh, a lot of the commentators are saying. For all the luck, I guess, or the way everything went right this pa- uh, in, in round eleven, in round ten, it was not the case, and too many squandered opportunities. And w- what happens when you squander that many opportunities is it doesn't matter what stat lines you win. The only thing that matters is the final result in matches like this. And Lorenz makes it 1-1 in the 90th. Now, that said, there is a clear-as-day foul on this goal. The reason he's got such an easy header is because he pushed Gonzalo Ramuz out of the way, or he pulled him out of the way. This is where I get very upset with our approach to these matches. You look at other teams in our league, and I don't have to mention names. You know who I'm talking about. If they surrender a goal in the 90th minute and one of their guys is on the ground, the other 10 are surrounding the referee. And they're forcing a VAR review. Now, every goal is reviewed by VAR. And there's no way the VAR can look at this video and allow this goal. There's a clear foul. It wasn't clear at the time when I watched it live. Uh, again, I only saw the replay later, the next day. I don't think it made it on the on the broadcast. It's amazing how, for as much as Benfica get accused that BTV for the home matches produces the matches in a way to hurt the VAR and to not have things called against Benfica, it's ridiculous because I've seen so many Benfica goals called back by VAR. I've seen penalties given to opponents thanks to the VAR. I've seen offside goals that were whistled offside be given for the opposition because of the VAR. But when we go on the road, the VAR somehow seems to malfunction. It never malfunctions for Porto unless it's in their benefit. Porto have never surrendered a goal where the VAR does not review the goal and see if they can take it back, especially in the 90th minute. But we do. We dropped the two points, like I said, and drops us to third. Now, this match here was before the trip to Munich. (laughs) So, again, Sometimes you get the performance and you don't get the result. Sometimes you don't get the performance, but you get the result. Ideally, we'd want them to get it all every time. But 
um, you know, in in this one, the performance just doesn't matter if it's good or not because we drop two points because we don't score enough goals because we take our foot off the gas. This is a great segue into the next the next uh, the next segment when we talk about you know Bayern. There's a team that does not take their foot off the gas. We do. We get a goal and we want to sit back on it. Strikingly similar to the Portuguese national team, by the way. If you watch the way they were <laughs> beaten by Serbia. Again, I'm not going to talk about this, but you can see the similarity. And you can see it with the, with this game. Score early. Oh, job is done. Let's just sit back and, and sit on this for 80 minutes. In this case, 88 minutes. Oh, if you could drop two points. If you could drop to third. Fortunately, there is a lot of campionato left to play. All right, time for a break here on Mr. Befica. Um, again, follow the social media at Befica Mr. at uh, Mr. Befica, depending if it's Twitter or Instagram. You can also go to Facebook. There's still a Facebook page if you search Mr. Befica. You can, you can join the Facebook page there. And also... Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. I will be doing videos again very soon. All right, quick break, and on the other side, we'll talk Champions League. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 130 and so much for keeping this under an hour. <laughs> We're getting close to there already. Um, do want to mention though, uh, bef- before we get into the Champions League, uh, there's one other league match that took place since the last episode that was back on Sunday, October the 24th. And it was Benfica traveling north to Vizela to take on the newly promoted side. And, um, well, I guess we didn't, it was a little bit of foreshadowing because it looked like we were going to drop points on that day and drop from first, uh, on that Sunday, October the 24th. It was, you know, a week before it actually happened because in the 90th plus eight, Rafa scores and we go win one nil at Vizela in a match where they just was not a well-played match. If you could struggle. But in the end, they found a way to to eke out the three points. And you got to always remember those matches that end, you know, with a goal in the 90-plus. At the end of the season, those two points could be the difference. Obviously, we hope so. Um, before that match, though, Benfica hosting Bayern Munich in the UEFA Champions League. And I'm sure... You hear the anthem in the background now. That is the famous UEFA Champions League anthem. Benfica versus Barca. Benfica come in at this point uh, in second place with four points ahead of Barcelona, uh, who they had just beaten, and three points ahead of Dinamo Kiev. Uh, Let's take a look at the lineups in this one. Uh, High, high hopes for Benfica in this match. However, um, again, the we. The weekend before, and this is weird because we're working kind of in reverse chronological order here on this episode, uh, Benfica's match against Trofins of the second division, going extra time, and a few other things happening. 
resulted in Befica not being 100% for this match, in my opinion. Now, we had injuries to Gilles Diaz, we had injuries to Gilberto, and we had uh, an injury to Diogo Salch going into this match. So, Andrea Almeida gets the captain's armband in the Champions League. And actually, I shouldn't say we had an injury to do. Diogo Salves had yet to come back from injury. Uh, he was on the bench, but JJ opted for Andre Almeida, who had just played at the weekend before against Trofes. Uh, he explained this in the post game that he went with Andre Almeida for that reason. He already had minutes under his belt, whereas uh, Diogo, not so much. Both of them coming back from injuries. Grimaldo, obviously, the left-sided defender, the double pivot in midfield, Weigel and Romario, behind the attacking trio, Rafa, Roman Yarimchuk, and Darwin Nunez. For Bayern Munich, okay, missing their manager in this one. They were missing uh, Ulian Nagelsmann. He actually had tested I believe positive for COVID too. So this COVID thing's still around a little bit. He he didn't leave. He ended up isolating in the team's hotel room. He he was not feeling well during the day, and I believe it eventually came out to be a negative uh, a positive test. But don't quote me on that. Uh, this was a while ago now, <laughs> uh, to be exact. This was back on. This was back. On the uh, October the twentieth, okay, but it was a full house at the Stadio de Luzer, very close to a full house, I should say. It wasn't exactly full. It was what the fifty-five, actually fifty-five thousand two hundred and one. That is a that's a full house in twenty twenty-one, no problem. But um, so Bayern come out without their manager, the the assistant manager Dino Dino Topmoller takes over for this one. Manuel Neuer in goal. He could have coached the match if he needed to. Uh, the captain, he everything's in front of him. This Bayern team doesn't even need a, a coach. It, it sounds crazy, but they're just such a well-oiled machine. And I know, you don't have to tweet me, I know they lost 5-0 to Muchin Gladbach in the DFB Pokal uh, shortly after this match. But, again, that's kind of an anomaly, something that, that just happened, and they went back to being Bayern after. What I love about Bayern Munich, and I guess I got into some arguments on Twitter this day, way back here on October the 20th, um, over this, as some Befica fans thought Bayern were, were intentionally humiliating Befica and were getting off on running up the score and and demoralizing their opponent, and which I think is ridiculous that fans of a professional sport look at it that way. But I believe, and I will take this to my grave. No one's going to change this this uh, opinion I have, this core belief I have, that the ultimate respect you show another team is to continue playing your hardest until the very end. I have been on lopsided results as a player, as a coach, okay, as a staff coach, as a fan. Okay, I have been on lopsided results both for and against. I have won 10 nothing and I have lost 10 to nothing. And what insults me is not losing 10 to nothing. What insults me is when the other team at 5 to nothing decides that the game is over. 
and they're not even trying anymore. If I was playing and somebody starts passing the ball backwards to just run, I'm coming in studs up on you. Damn it, play the game. And I respect Bayern Munich so much because they play the game. This is why they get blowouts. Everybody else gives up and they don't give up. Befica in this match played so well for 70 minutes, okay? They played so well for 70 minutes. Then they fell behind. And then it looked like they thought Bayern were just going to coast like they would do, like Befica would do when they take a lead. And that's not what champions do. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Rikoshta, okay? Get your staff. Work out a deal. Get them to intern and visit and co-op at Bayern Munich. See how they do this. How do you build that culture at the Stadio de Luz? Now, I got in an argument with somebody about this. Saying they don't want to see our team like that. To be poor sports. It's not poor sportsmanship. This is professional sport. The object is to score goals as many as you can and win by as many as you can. Benfica lost sight of the fact that they had a damn good goal difference before this match. Before these two encounters were fired. They lost sight of that. Before I go any further, here's the 11 for Bayern. Again, like I said, Manuel Neuer in goal. Benjamin Pavard is the right back. 4-2-3-1 their formation. Nicolas Sula and Adayo Umpamicano are the center backs. Lucas Hernandez is the left-sided uh, defender, which, interestingly enough, he's replacing the injured uh, Alfonso Davies, who returned injured from international duty. Alfonso Davies, who has just been absolutely... Amazing in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. He is the best player in CONCACAF. If you don't know, CONCACAF is the region here that I live in. United States, Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America. Okay. There's no question Alfonso Davies is the best player in this part of the world. And he works very hard for his national team. And he doesn't play in the back in his national team. He plays in the front. And he's he's a creative player. And he's a guy that pushes the pace and he took a knock with him back from that last, you know, uh, window of World Cup qualifiers. And he missed this one. And interestingly enough, was in the pregame I heard on BTV, Valdu, our our legendary uh, former number 10, former midfielder Brazilian, Valdu, actually pointed out that this is pro- that, that Alfonso Davies' injury was probably... Not a, as good a thing for Benfica as some would think because Alfonso Davies attacks a lot and leaves space in behind or at least gives the hope that Rafa can get into that space behind and attack. Lucas Hernandez stays home a bit more and that space was not there. Uh, the double pivot in midfield, Marcel Sabitzer and Joshua Kimmich, three attacking midfielders. Uh, in the number 10 position, Thomas Muller, the the veteran uh, for Bayern Munich. Leroy Sané gets the start at the right, and Kinsley Coleman on the left. Behind the striker, the all-world striker, the best in the world right now. The man that should be getting the Ballon d'Or next month. And it's being stolen from him, thanks to media. Because this is the this should have been a unanimous decision. 
for the past 12 months. It's Robert Lewandowski, the best in the world at what he does. He gets the start. Um, yeah, Befica defend very, very bravely throughout the majority of this match. Darwin has some golden opportunities, but he forces a couple great saves from Manuel Neuer. Every time that Kinsley Coleman and Leroy Sané, and then later when he, Serge Gnabry, when he comes in, gets the ball. These guys are just so good on the ball, and they go at guys, you know, with pay, I, the way they combine pace and skill, and vision and power, all into one. It's just awesome to see, and uh, they gave Benfica all kinds of headaches. Now I remember. Back in Euro 2020, talking about Kinsley Coleman in that Portugal-France match and just how he, every time he had the ball, Portugal were in trouble. Same thing here. Every time Kinsley Coleman has the ball, Benfica are in trouble. But Benfica, little by little, fight and claw and scrap. There was an absolute street fight going on between Lewandowski and Otamendi, the two of them, neither one of them, I think, woke up feeling uh, too fresh the next morning. They really were beating and battering each other. It was a great battle um, between those two. And again, Befica had their chances, but but Bayern always in control. And then in the 70th, it happened a foul that was somewhat needless. Otamendi picks up the foul, also picks up a yellow card which is going to come in handy in the next match because J.J. would make a decision in the return leg to sit Otamendi. Ensuing free kick goes to Leroy Sané. And, yeah, you can't let him have the free kick there. And uh, in the 70th minute, Sané makes it 1-0 to the Bavarian side. And their traveling supporters delight in the Topo Norte. With a banner, mind you, that says "Não ao cartão de débito." Now ao cartão de débito. No to the supporters card, supporters ID. The good news is that cartão de débito is dead. R.I.P. Don't come back. Don't take care. See you never. Cartão de débito. Um, that was it. Was pretty cool to see the support from the Bayern uh, supporters in that one. Uh, JJ makes a couple substitutions, and again, that is n- lately not a good thing. When we when we see that, that's typically a bad thing. So I'll take a look again at the at the substitutes. But and what did I say in the last segment? It's a triple substitution, and and actually, I'm looking the wrong way. Sorry, it's not a triple substitution. I take that back. It's a single substitution, but it's Everton for Roman Yarimchuk, and I didn't like this substitution either. I understand after I heard JJ explain it, he said he felt that Grimaldo was was done. He was gassed, and Serge Gnabry had come on just a few uh, ten minutes earlier. And let me tell you, when I saw Serge Gnabry come on for Benjamin Pavard, I was saying, no, please, no. And Everton had, he just didn't have the gas, nor does he have the defensive, you know, ability to contain a Serge Gnabry for, for too long. So JJ countered by bringing on Everton, saying that he needed, you know, uh, that that Grimaldo needed 
help on that side. I, I totally actually get that once you explain that. Most of us don't think of the uh, substitutions that way. But Everton is the best at helping. Unfortunately, of all of the outside midfielders, this wasn't what he was brought here to do, but it turns out he's the best at assisting defensively and of dropping back. And it's a big reason why he doesn't do the things that we signed him to do. He's not producing the type of highlights. He's not producing the type of numbers we expect from him. A big reason for that is because he's playing so far back all the time because he's being relied on to make up for Grimaldo's defensive ineptitudes. Now, that's not an excuse when we play against Oroca or when we play against Gil Vicente. I get that. But in matches like this, it's where we need him, which doesn't allow him to to really give the best account of himself. But, again, um, Serge Gnabry is just a beast. But after the second goal goes in, it is Everton, unfortunately. The ball gets knocked wide. Gnabry is there. Gnabry gains the touchline, uh, the end line, excuse me. I say it over and over and over. Attacking-wise, you want to get the other team's defenders turned to face their own goal. I always like my wingers to win that end line and start coming in towards goal the same way Gnabry did here. Why? Because it takes the other team's defenders, if you allow them to face where the ball is coming from, you know, face away from goal and keep the game in front of them, it's so much easier to defend. Anyone who has defended will tell you that. You want to you want to step forward to win a ball. You don't want to backpedal. You don't want to worry about if it hits you, it's going to go into your own goal. Well, if you could get turned around here and the ball comes across hard, Everton tries to clear it, but he heads it into his own goal. Again, he had just come on, I mean, four minutes earlier. He's not warm. He's tracking back hard. That was the other thing. He was trying. There was an opening, okay, because a defender stepped out wide to try to defend, okay, and it was, I believe it was Vertonghen, tried to defend the dribble, got beat by Gnabry, and Everton is, is sprinting full speed to get into that spot that's left vacant before the ball comes so that he can defend it. Unfortunately, he gets there right at the same time. Tries to head it away. Heads it into the his own goal. 2-0 to Bayern. JJ decides it's time to get the the key guys off the pitch. Because there's more football to be played. Uh, in this crazy schedule that we have. This crazy calendar. And I'm just saying. Here we go. Because it's Adele. Peasy. And a guy who, who you want to bury a player here, bring him in. Now, it's Gonzalo Ramush coming in for Darwin. João Mario, Rafa, and Darwin leave. Adele, Gonzalo Ramush, and PZ come on. Now, you know how I feel about Adele. Let's just leave it there. And this, I didn't even mind it that much in this one, but I said, come on. I knew Bayern are going to keep pushing forward. JJ couldn't have possibly thought that they were going to sit on 2-0. You cannot defend against a team like Bayern Munich with the Delta opt on the pitch. He's a defensive liability. You are playing with 10 defensively whenever he is on the pitch. And guess what? PZ doesn't bring much either defensively. Are you pl- J- is JJ play I think JJ got a little bit narrow-minded and a little short-sighted here. Is he playing to keep the score reasonable and protect that goal difference 
Or did he think that bringing these three on are going to put them back in the match and get them goals? No, I believe he, he was already thinking on the next match. I think the goal difference kind of slipped his mind. I don't think he expected to surrender two more goals. And I don't think that uh, he thought that much about it. I think he thought that he needed these guys rested because there was another match at the weekend. And that was, of course, the Vizela match that I just talked to you about in which we struggled mightily and and had to use up every last ounce of energy to squeak out a 1-0 victory. 82nd minute, Robert Lewandowski makes it 3-0 on a beautiful chip. And Leroy Sana would make it 4-0 in the 84th. And again, Bayern does not owe us any type of close result. I want my team to do exactly what they do. I want my team, when they take the pitch, to want to win and to want to win big. Bayern win big. 4-0. Okay, so moving on from there. Um, in between these two legs, there was also another match, a League Cup match, that started great, but, uh, yeah, didn't go well. It was in the most ridiculous format for a tournament that I've seen yet, and only the Portuguese League can come up with this. Groups of three, um, Vitória Guimarães had already beaten Sporting de Cuvillan 2-0, so Benfica knows if they win this match, they're pretty much in the final four because it's only groups of three, and then you go to the final four. And we get an own goal from our old friend Alpha Semedo, now a international with Guinea-Bissau, might I add, uh, playing for Guinea-Bissau this week uh, in World Cup qualifying. PZ makes it 2-0 in the 15th minute before Andrea Andrea makes it 2-1. to but Nemanja Radnic makes it three to one in the twenty eighth, and Befica should have been, you know, should have been sailing pretty easily then. But you can never count out the conquistadores from Guimarães, aqui nasceu Portugal, from the original capital, the original Portugal, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Vitorianos just come back. They don't give up. Oscar Estupinian in the 45th plus 2 makes it 3-2. And again, Benfica showing an inability to play with a lead, just like against, like they would later against Istoril, like we talked about earlier. And it is Bruno Duarte making it 3-3 in the 83rd minute. Benfica squandered two-goal lead twice in this one in Group A of the Portuguese League Cup, and it's a point to each. Benfica now played December 15th against Sporting de Covilhã at the Stadio de Luz and need to win 3-0 three, three or better to go to the Final Four. Okay, second leg, uh, not second leg, but match day four. UEFA Champions League versus Bayern Munich. JJ rotates the lineup and drives Benfica Nation crazy. Um, I totally get it. To be honest with you, I agree with what he did for the most part. I agree with the fact that the players on yellow cards could not play this match. This is a match you're not going to win. And I know this drives everybody crazy. But the match that we have to win is the one coming up now. The one at the Camp Nou versus Barcelona. And we need the team 100%. Now, with hindsight being 50-50... The best thing J.J. did was keep Otamendi out of this match because if he had seen a yellow and he had to miss the Barcelona match, we'd be going into Barcelona without 
Otamendi and without Lucas Verissimo now that we know Lucas Verissimo gets hurt a week later or a week and a half later. So this was a tough match for poor Jan Vertonghen, the pace that Bayern have in their attack. And now he had to assume the role of, of basically hand-to-hand combat with <laughs> with Robert Lewandowski. Um, Odie plays in goal. Lucas is the right center back. Jan, the deep-lying center back, and Moratu, the left center back, Grimaldo, and Gilberto, the wing backs in this one. And then the midfield was changed a little bit as Miete replaces Julian Weigel, Weigel, of course, on a string of yellow cards and risks missing the he risks missing the Barcelona match, as does Rafa, so he is also kept out of the lineup, which means that Pizzi gets the start alongside Roman Yaremchuk and Everton Subolina. Darwin Nunez also, I think, was on a yellow. I could be wrong about that, but he opted not to go with Darwin in this one. Uh, I think I know what he was opting for. He was opting for a more defense-minded team, first of all, a more positionally astute team, and a team that could play to hold the ball a little more rather than one that's looking to get in behind and looking to stretch. Um, but, again, this this gets derailed when you concede in the 26th minute to Robert Lewandowski. And then five minutes later, Serge Gnabry makes it 2-0. We would get one back from Moratu to make it 2-1 before halftime. In the second half, though, Sané again uh, in the 49th. Then Lewandowski in the 61st and 84th. Darwin gets one in there as well between in the 74th. 5-2 to Bayern Munich. I mean, not much to say. But again, nobody is missing the Barcelona match due to yellow cards. He JJ inexplicably brings on Rafa with a half hour to play in a 4 to 1 match at the time. That's the the you know what that drives me insane about JJ. There's a lot of things he does that I will stick up for and you've heard me here. There's things he does I don't like and I'll point that out, okay? I'm not at all you know driving the JJ bus. But I'm not trying to bury the man either. This is our manager right now, okay? And as I always have, I'm looking at it match to match, decision by decision. Bayern went in a 4-2-3-1. The only changes to the lineup in this one was, well, uh, Thomas Muller was out. Leroy, uh, sorry, Serge Gnabry inserted. Leroy Sana moved central. So look at this, this attacking four here. Serge Gnabry on the right, Leroy Sané in the number 10, and Kinsley Coleman on the left. Robert Lewandowski, the striker. Robert Lewandowski gets a hat-trick in this one. He misses a penalty on a call that I don't necessarily agree with either. That ended up being a yellow card for uh, Lucas Ferissimo. But Odie saves the penalty. And it made us think maybe we could keep it closer, but... Nah. Leon Goretzka inserted into the lineup in place of Sabitzer. And Joshua Kimmich retains his spot in the back. Pavard uh, stays as the right back. Nianzu and Upamicano, the center back pairing in the Canadian. Alfonso Davies returns and has himself a nice match. 5-2. to two. Again, not much to talk about here. The, the the big one is the one coming up now. So Bayern lead the group with 12 points. They're perfect. Four wins. Uh, 
No defeats, no draws, 17-4. Two against. Both of the two against came from Befica, if you want a badge of honor for that. Not into those things, but some people like it. Barcelona now second after they beat Dinamo Kiev again. And uh, they win 1-0 again against Dinamo Kiev. They have a pair of 1-0 wins now against them. They have six points. Two goals for six against Benfica. Third right now uh, with four points. Both Benfica and Barcelona have a negative four-goal difference. Again, if Benfica kept it together and finished out that, that home match with Bayern a little bit stronger, lose only 2-0, we'd be looking at a much better goal difference and maybe a different reality going in to this this uh, match with Barcelona. Um Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, we would have lost both matches either way, and they won both matches. But still, it's it's virtually impossible now to end up on the same number of points as Barcelona. The only way that would happen is if we won against Barcelona, then lost the last match day, and they picked up a draw in the last match day. That's the only way we could tie on points now. But anyway, uh, Befica had a goal difference that they sh- could have held on to, and they let it go. Barcelona, uh, yeah, six points, Benfica four, Dinamo Kiev one point, but not mathematically out of it yet. If they win their last two matches, including the last one on match day six at the Luge, Dinamo could still sneak into that second place. Plus, remember, third place goes to a special playoff round to get in to the the Europa League round of 16. Okay, now matchups this week. Let's take a look here. As we've got, yes, we have Benfica Tuesday traveling to the Campino to take on Barcelona. Okay, last segment coming right up after this quick break. Um, we'll be right back again. Follow on the social media. Go to www.mrbenfica.com. And don't forget, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. On your Apple Podcast, on your on your Spotify, on your Podbean, whatever you're listening on, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Audible, Alexa, whatever you're listening on, make sure you subscribe so you get every episode I drop. All right, we'll be right back with the final segment. We're going to talk about the match against Trofense <laughs> real quickly and get ready for round four of the Tasa de Portugal. Players and jocks while we playing a part of the coolest bitch. 
Ain't a high school movie. Had a brace like Tootie when the news hit him. Only if you will listen. Cause there ain't nothing new about the facts of life, dudes. So why don't you sit calm? If the shoe fits on, why don't you kick some? Huh, that good shit that you spit amusement fun. They get you sit for two spins at music 101. It gets fun in the club all done. Unless I go numb, make my flow dumb. Go write a hit song called Fight or Run. So many idols come, so many idols go. But in the end, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Final segment of episode 130. Mr. Benfica, the Mr. Mike Agostinho here with you. And we're going back to the 16th of October, all the way back over a month ago. Uh, and it is the Taça de Portugal, uh, round three. Benfica traveling to Trofa to take on Trofense. Here's the lineup for Trofense. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento is the goalkeeper. They play with three at the back. João Faria, João Paulo, and Marcelo. The wingbacks are Leon and Thiago André. Indio and Vasco Rocha are the double pivot in midfield. In the attack, down the right, Bruno Almeida and Bartlehemi Diedu is the striker and Pachu the left-sided forward. For Benfica, um, this is on the back of an international break, of course, so some players didn't even arrive in time to play in this one. So that did uh, condition the lineup a little bit, but this is a game where... Uh, now, this match is coming, like I said, on the heels of an international break. But before that international break, that October break, I think I just lost their first match of the season to Portimonense. And ironically, in a match that they didn't play very poorly at all, they played actually quite well and still lost due to inefficiency. Um, this is a match, I think, would handcuff Benfica for several matches. Um, basically, the rest of this time period between the international breaks. Now, aside from Adel Terapt getting injured in like the eighth minute against Vitória Guimarães in the Taça da Liga, in which he couldn't even do the one thing he needed to do in that match was to just stay on the pitch so that João Mario wouldn't play. He couldn't do that. <laughs> couldn't even do that right. Uh, he gets a start here. This is a little bit before that, but he gets the start here. And I, I hate when, and it's not just Mefica that does this. This has become such a fad in football to play these second-choice squads or at least largely second-choice squads in the cup. It just devalues the cup even more. And, you know... When I was doing those reviews of past seasons, I like to do at least one each season where I review a past season. Benfica won cup games 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, nothing. They didn't, it didn't matter if you were playing a team from the Distrital. It did not matter. It was the best 11 available. They went on the day and they s slaughtered the opposition. That's not the way it's done anymore. It's not just JJ. Okay, it's it's lots of managers. It's not even just in Portugal. It happens all around the world in these cup matches now. These have been known as rotation matches. JJ goes with Elton late in goal. I'm fine with that. The backup goalie does need to play sometime in case you need to call on him. And um, this is a good opportunity for him. The three, of the, the three center backs, Andrea Almeida, Jan Vertonghen, Philippe Morato. Again, uh, Lucas Verissimo and Nicolas Otamendi had traveled from South America 
And I don't even know. They were not even on the bench. Not one nor the other was on the bench. Fehu was the the backup defender on the bench. Uh, midfield is Mete and Tarapt. Ay, ay, ay. I think that's why I went on that tirade about Tarapt a moment ago. But that's suicide, putting a midfield. like Even against a second division team, I don't know what was expected from those two. Gilles gets the start at the left wing back. Gilberto on the right. Gilles would come up injured as well in this match. And this is where the injury bug starts to bite. Pefico would lose, I think, three players to injury in this match. Um, in the attack, Gonzalo Ramos gets a rare opportunity to play as the striker. Pizzi to his right, Everton to his left. Everton would be the goal scorer in the first half. Um... Trofense's manager, Rui Duarte, would be sent off in the final moments. But you got... If you could get off to a good start, again, this is this is becoming the theme. This is something, this is what's been happening. Benfica get off to a good start, and then they relax. 21st minute, Gilles Dias sets up Everton Subolinha. Everton scores. Much needed goal for him at that point. Um... Gilles would get hurt, however, just 10 minutes later and be replaced by Lazaro. And Lazaro would not last the entire match either. In the 51st, he would come up injured. So the substitute gets injured and Fehu is forced to come in. In the 61st, with the match 1-0, looking to shore it up, JJ does the logical thing, brings in Yarimchuk, uh, Ulian Weigel, and Joel Mario to play what he thinks is going to be 30 minutes. However, in the 80th minute, <laughs> Pachu uh, makes it 1-1, and all of a sudden it's like, great, now we've got 30 extra minutes to play. Uh, JJ opts to make a substitution before the extra time. On comes Nemanja Radonich for PZ. Not a very good performance from PZ again. Something's not right there with PZ. He is... Uh, I don't think he's enjoying this, this substitute role very much. Uh, he's not bringing anything when he comes off the bench, which is disappointing. I always vision him as, I guess I shouldn't say, I've defended him, I should say, many times as being the guy that comes through in these games. The guy who, despite the criticism, always, not always, but many times comes through. This year that has not been the case. He seems less interested. Maybe he's been at Benfica too long. I don't know. But uh, it doesn't seem like he's taken this role as a substitute very well. But here he was given 90 minutes. And Benfica are taken to extra time by a second division team. Uh, and for what it's worth, Nemanja Radonich, this was his debut. And he looked good in this, these 30 minutes that he played. And I started thinking right away that he might be the guy to be our right back when Diogo Gonçalves is not available. As opposed, I prefer him to Gilberto, and I prefer him to Andre Almeida. Um, so, and possibly even to 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 Diogo Gonçalves, depending on the matchup. Um, Andre Almeida though would be the hero in this one. Ninety fourth minute, uh, four minutes into extra time, Ulian Weigel with one of his patented diagonal long uh, forward passes right into space, right into the run of the ageless Andre Almeida who's now playing as a left back the way he was in 20 what was that 2014 when he was our starting left back um 
2013, something like that. And Andre Almeida, with his right inside foot, just buries it past the goalkeeper. And Befica take a 2-1 lead. Not much else to talk about in this one. Uh, they get out of there. They advance. Benfica win 2-1 to in advance to round four. Let's take a look at the rest of the results in round three. Okay. And a lot of teams still in it, so bear with me. All right. Academica Coimbra at home, beaten 4-0 by the visiting Famalicão. Football Club do Porto go to Sintra and beat Sintrans 5-0. Sporting will beat the real Bulanense, Club Football Uj Bulanense, 4-0, but not without struggling and getting some help from the referee. Um, 4-0 victory. The match was remembered for a tackle um, against Poro by a player whose name is escaping me right now. Actually, I'll just get it for you because I have the information in front of me. The red card was for Andrea Frias was his name. Player in the Portuguese 4th Division, remember. Bulanists are in the 4th Division. It took five minutes for the internet to find his social media and find him at Stadio Delusion, a Benfica jersey, you know, supporting Benfica, to quickly say that he was trying to sabotage sporting season. Ridiculous. Okay. Anyone who's ever seen the Campeonato Portugal, the 4th the Division, those tackles that injured that tackle that injured Poho is a perfectly normal tackle in that league. There is hacking galore in the lower leagues in Portugal. Okay, hard tackles, uh, studs up, physical play is all part of the game at that level. He wasn't doing anything that any other fourth division player uh, wouldn't have done. It's it, they're not first division players. They're not even professionals. They're amateurs. No, he did not try to. I think it's ridiculous to try to accuse him because he happens to be a Benfica that he wants to be remembered for going out on the pitch and injuring Pedro Projo. So, Sporting win anyway. They get they get some help. Uh, <laughs> what made me laugh in this one was uh, Tiago Tomaj scores two goals. Sporting get two penalties, and neither Nuno Santos nor who's the other jabroni. It was Nuno Sanch and Jovan Cabral. Neither one of them will let Tiago Tomas take the penalty to finish the hat trick. That says it all for me right there. <laughs> oh, moving on. Round three. Oliveira do Hospital. Nil. Vitória Guimarães. One. Sporting Club de Espinho. Nil. Caldas Sport Club. One. That's right. My hometown. My home team. Advance to round four. And I was hoping they would come out of the hat against Befica. I was. I want. I'd love to see the two of them play each other, especially if it's in Caldas, because that will pay the bills for the next several seasons. But that wasn't how the draw came out. I, I'll. I'll give you the draw. I'll. I'll read you all the round four matchups in just a minute. But Caldas win on the road at Spinu. Villa Franquens three. Real Massama two. Valadares de Gaia 1, Casa Pia 3, Paredes 3, Academic Viseu 1. The second division side eliminated, upset uh, by Paredes, who I believe play in the Campeonato de Portugal. Lixões 5, Vila Verdense 1, 
Oriental Dragon FC. If you don't know who they are, do some Google that one. That is a, a Chinese-owned club in Portuguese district. Well, now they play in the Liga Trish. They have been promoted to the third league, um, trying to climb the, the <laughs> trying to climb the pyramid in Portugal. Oriental Dragon FC two Moreirense three. The first division side survives after extra time. Another club that's not really a club that just belongs as a place. F- no, I shouldn't say that belongs. That just exists as a place for any for agents to send their players that have no contract. Essentially, playing in the Liga, uh, the Campeonato de Portugal as well. Berço SC one, Bulenense Sad who in this competition are known simply as B-Sad, because there's already a Bolognese. They get two. They advance after extra time. Associação Desportiva Camacha in Madeira, one. Tondela, two. Tondela go to the island and win. União Leiria, nil. Santa Clara, two. At the Magalhães Pessoa. Loleitano, one. Estrela da Madura, two. As we know, Trofense 1, Benfica 2, Verzin Sport Club 2, uh, Club Sportivo Maritimo 2. This one would go to penalties. And in the penalties, Verzin would win 3 kicks to 2. Vitoria Stubal 0, uh, Football Club de Vizela 2. Associação Castro Dair. Castro Dair. Well, one more time. Castro Dair. Excuse my bad Portuguese at 10 o'clock at night when I wake up at 2 in the morning. <laughs> they go to penalties and are beaten by uh, Sport Club Olhanense in Castro Dair uh, on penalties 2 2 after 120 minutes. Tuchayens won, Faf won. That one also goes to penalties. Tuchayens advance. Alverca, four. Anadia, one. Football Club Serpa, nil. Sporting de Covilhã, nil. Benfica's next opponent in the League Cup. From the second division, Sporting de Covilhã. And the second division side would be upset in penalties by Football Club Serpa. Club Sportivo de Mafra, 3. Club União, 1919, 0. Mafra advances. Benfica e Castelo Branco, 1. Penafiel, 2. Lessa, 1. Roca, 1. Penalty kicks to the side. Lessa advance. Sinfange, 0. Farense, 4. Condeixa, 0. Gil Vicente, 5. Feirense, 3. Nacional, 1. That's after extra time. Felgueiras, 0. Estoril, 1. Águas Mordal, 0. Passos Ferreira, 3. Moitense, 0. Sporting Braga, 5. Oliveirense, 3. Portimonense, 3. In penalty kicks, it was the side from the Algarve. Portimonense advancing. And then first division Boavista is completely slaughtered and put out to pasture in this competition, beaten 4-0 at the Arcus by Rio Ave. All right, here is your round four. 
Portuguese Cup lineup. One match already complete. That was earlier today. Sporting, 2-1 winners at home over Verzin. So starting on the 19th, starting tomorrow, or when you're listening to this today, Casa Pia host Farense, Penafiel host Portimonense, Benfica hosting Passos Ferreira, as you know. That is an 8.45 kickoff time in Portugal, 3.45 Eastern time here in the United States, 11.45 a.m. Pacific. Lessa take on Gil Vicente in Lessa da Palmela. Uh, Vizela host Estrela Amadora. Kiwav host Olianes in a battle of non-first division teams. Sporting Braga hosts Santa Clara in a battle of all first division teams. Alverca hosting Famalicão. Porto hosting Feirense. Football Club Serpa hosting Istoril. Mike Alders Sport Club hosting uh, Bissad at at the Stadio uh, Ucamp da Mata in Caldas da Rainha. That's on the 21st. That is on Sunday. Uh, Vila Franquense hosting Mafra. Paredes hosting Torreense. Moreirense hosting Vitoria Sport Club in a Minho Derby. And Tondela host Leixões. That is round four. And it's all being played between now and Monday. So we will have the six, the round of 16 after this. We'll know by this time next week who they are. All right. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with me this long. Um, I know this one ran long. Uh, it's been a while. It's great to be back. Feels good to be talking about this team again. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the match Friday. Enjoy the Modley Dads this weekend. Get behind them, okay? Get behind them. Uh, there's futsal, there's there's basketball, there's hockey patinch, there's volleyball, always strong. Um, one of the best teams in Europe. They're one of the 16 teams in the in the Champions League group stage. That is uh, Befica's volleyball team, their men's volleyball. The women's sports are just killing it. Befica's women's football team finish the first phase, the qualification phase. First place in the South, one point ahead of Sporting. So they're going. They're getting ready to go into the championship phase. It's about to start for real. They've also got their own Champions League match day five coming up soon. Like I said, one of these days, I'm not going to tell you which one because I can't guarantee it. But sometime in the very near future, I will have a women's episode and a Modlidaj episode just to catch you up to up to speed. Okay, and um, also do catch this Sunday. Catch uh, Parking the Bus over on the Parking the Bus feed, okay? I'm going to recap World Cup qualifying. Plus, we got the Copa Sudamericana final this weekend as well. Atletico Paranaense taking on Red Bull Bragantino, all-Brazilian final. So I will have my thoughts on that. I'll have a recap of that. Might be two separate episodes. Might be the same one. Um, Hopefully, uh, I can put it all together. Like I said, it's been over a month since I've had any episodes. So thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't yet, check out www.mrbenfica.com. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Subscribe to the Mr. Benfica YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search Mr. Benfica. Subscribe to the channel. I will be having episodes go back up there very, very soon. And have a great rest of the, the week, a great weekend. Hello to everybody who reached out to me again. Thank you for checking in. Um, you guys mean a lot to me and, um, I do this as much for, you know, the loyal listeners as I do for myself. And uh, I really enjoy bringing this content to you, and I hope to be able to bring more 
as uh as we come to a close in this this uh calendar year 2021 all right thanks everybody it's late i gotta run all right there's work to be done in a couple of hours i need a little bit of sleep at least and um Look forward to hearing from you guys. Let me know. Uh, what are your thoughts on this team right now? Where do you think this thing is headed? Uh, I think this Tasa match, if it's approached the right way, could could give some indication. If it's a heavily rotated squad and it's a lot of second-choice players, well, I don't really like our chances if that's the case. So hopefully Benfica come in with an intention to advance, an intention to win, and, if, and an intention to perform in front of their home fans. I don't know how many will be there on a Friday night. Um, again, attendance has been a problem across the league this season. It's down. Even though the restrictions are gone, it's it's very rare that anyone <laughs> anyone draws more than what would have been the crowd under the restrictions. But uh, players are back from World Cup qualifying. So lots going on in the soccer world this weekend. And, um, yeah, don't forget, if you have the opportunity, check out Barcelona this weekend. See, see if you can... If you see something there, hit me up, all right, on Twitter, at Benfica Mister. Send me a message if you think there's something I didn't touch on and if there's something uh, something you think Benfica can exploit uh, within Barcelona. I'm interested to see how they respond to Xavi. I think Xavi came in and didn't need to do what he did this week to lay down all these strict rules. He's a... A, a world-class former player who I don't doubt for a second every single player in that locker room respects, and I don't think he needed to come in heavy-handed like that. But, again, um, it's his team. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm fairly optimistic about Benfica traveling to Barcelona for the reasons I've said. I think they're going to leave themselves exposed. Barcelona defend very poorly. And they don't hold the ball the way they used to. They're going to turn it over. We're going to have a chance to counter. We're going to have a chance to play in transition. And as long as Rafa is healthy and as long as Joel Mario is healthy and Darwin is healthy, Darwin will be important against Barcelona again because his pace they don't have an answer for. And bringing in 72-year-old Dani Alves, he's not 72, but you know what I mean, is not going to change anything. He can't play in the Champions League anyway. He's not He's not even registered. But... um. Yeah, I think it's all to play for there, and I think Benfica have their, their fate in their own hands, so it'll be interesting to see what goes down in the next week or so. All right, that's going to do it again. <laughs> and everybody, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time here on Mr. Benfica, part of the PTB Media Network. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing out. I got a special song for you this week. This is a song that speaks for me. <laughs> uh, I discovered this recently. It's a great song. Um talks about... It's in the form of a jigajada. It's a Portuguese traditional song, but he's singing about <laughs> what is the language, or I should say the dialect I grew up around, the Porto English, not quite Portuguese, not quite eating very little English, but a little bit of English in it. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun song. It's funny, and uh, it talks about all the words that, that I didn't necessarily use myself, but everyone around me used growing up and certainly my mother uses my azorian mother uses a lot of porto english when she speaks uh so enjoy the song i think it's it's pretty cool this is by an artist uh here in new england by the name of joey maderos or joey maderos if you want the portuguese pronunciation this is porto english this is mr Benfica, and i'll catch you next time
Que cumpriendam tudo o que eu aqui expliquei. 